You'll do 50 years, or my name ain't Sam Schultz. Hey, prisoner escaping. Quick, quick. Where? Where? Which way did he go? Hey, there he goes over the north wall. Halt, or I fire. Toodaloo, Mr. Schultz. It's been nice knowing you. Welcome to Rapidly Rotating Records, an hour of toe-tapping music from rapidly rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s, with yours truly, Glenn Robison, on Island Radio, KISL Avalon, at 88.7 on your FM dial, and worldwide at KISLAvalon.com on your internet dial. We've got dance bands, hot bands, sweet bands, show tunes, novelty tunes, blues, jazz, and more on everything from Aeolian to Xenophone, and by everyone from Aronson to Zerky. On this week's show, we'll introduce you to Mary O'Rourke, celebrate Charles Horowitz's birthday, get sent up the river, have a party of sorts, and hear some songs about Equus Asinus. Last week, I played Let That Mule Go Onk Onk by Bradley Kincaid. Now, I could use up the entire rest of the show comparing and contrasting mules, donkeys, jennies, hinnies, horses, burros, jacks, and asses. Yes, asses. But mules have served as pack animals since ancient times, and that made me think of Adam's Pack Station, which I would like to tell you about. Believe it or don't, just 24 miles from the Los Angeles Civic Center is the oldest continuously working pack service in the United States, and the only one that works year-round. Established in 1936, Adams Pack Station is not only a pack station, but an information center and event venue in Big Santa Anita Canyon in the San Gabriel Mountain Range. It serves the private residential cabins of the Big Santa Anita, built between 1907 and 1936, as well as Sturdivant Camp, which has been operating since 1893. Yes, 1893. Unfortunately, the canyon was devastated by the Bobcat Fire, which started September 6, 2020, and burned 115,796 acres before full containment months later on December 18th. A number of the private residential cabins in the canyon were destroyed, and Sturdivant Camp sustained some damage, but miraculously survived. Rains following the fire wreaked additional havoc on the trails in the canyon, and the Road to Chantry Flat recreational area has been closed while it undergoes major reconstruction. A Methodist church conference bought Sturdivant Camp in 1945, and I have a personal connection to Sturdivant, which goes back to the 1980s and 90s, when I was operations director for the conference's camp system. I've made that four-plus-mile hike into Sturdivant many times, although if I tried that now, I'd probably drop dead. 
Sturdivant Camp is now owned by the Sturdivant Conservancy, a California nonprofit, and is operated entirely by volunteers, some of whom are personal friends. With their dedication and hard work repairing the damage, Sturdivant Camp will reopen when the canyon is reopened and will be okay. Adams Pack Station, however, is a different story. It escaped the fire, but is vital to the canyon, and since the canyon and road are closed, it has had no income for nearly two years. But it still has ongoing expenses, not least of which is feeding the hungry animals that make up the Adams Pack Train. A GoFundMe campaign has been established to raise funds essential to keeping the pack station alive, to give folks the opportunity to literally take a trip back in time to 1893. There's a link to the campaign on the Adams Pack Station website, adamspackstation.com. I've given and hope you will consider doing so as well. That's adamspackstation.com. I also encourage you to visit the website for Sturdivant Camp at, appropriately enough, sturdivantcamp.com. S-T-U-R-T-E-V-A-N-T camp.com. A general search on terms such as Big Santa Anita Canyon, Chantry Flat, and Wilbur Sturdivant will yield lots of interesting information about this truly unique piece of Americana, which you can help preserve. For the Adams Pack Station pack train, it makes more horse sense to use burros as pack animals rather than mules, because they're smaller and more nimble and better suited to the narrow trail and rough terrain in the Big Santa Anita. But there aren't any vintage tunes about burrows that I know of, so here's a trio of rapidly rotating records about mules, beginning with Ken Moyer's Novelty Trio.
meet me when the clock struck 23. Down by the stockyard, about a mile and a half away. But pickled feet and hog shells, one night I never found. She's my freckle face, consumptive Mary Jane. Oh, she's a daisy, she's cross-eyed and crazy. The sweetest girl I thought I ever saw. Now her breath smells sweet, but I'd rather smell her feet. She's my freckle face, consumptive Mary Jane. I'm the man who rode the mule around the world. I'm the man who rode the mule around the world. I rode in Noah's Ark, and I'm happy as a lark. I'm the man who rode the mule around the world. Born about 4,000 years ago And there's nothing on this earth I do not know I saw Moses in the water Fighting Pharaoh and his daughter I can whoop the man that says it isn't so I'm the man who rode the mule around the world I'm the man who rode the mule around the world I rode in Noah's Ark And I'm happy as a lark I'm the man who around the world I saw Satan when he opened the garden door I saw Satan when he opened the garden door when the apple they were eating through the bushes I was peeping, I can prove that I'm the man that ate the pork. I'm the man who rode the mule around the world. I'm the man who rode the mule around the world. I rode in Noah's Ark, and I'm happy as a lark. I'm the man who rode the mule around the world. my brain that I have planned. Now I've been on earth so long till I've learned to sing a song that old Abraham and Jacob used to sing. I'm the man that rode the mule around the world. I'm the man who rode the mule around the world. I flew up like a lark and I fell and hit the bark. I'm the man who rode the mule around the world.
If a railroad train is highballing, it's going at maximum speed, and that group, the Blue Ridge Highballers, led by fiddler Charlie LaPrade, were aptly named with that recording of Flop-Eared Mule. I played it back in 2010 by Charlie Poole and his Allegheny Highlanders, who took it at a somewhat slower pace. This recording was from Columbia 15081D, March 23, 1926. The other highballers were Lonnie Griffith on guitar and Arthur Wells on banjo. You might want to go back and listen again to the lyrics of the next song, I'm the Man Who Rode the Mule Around the World, to make sure you heard correctly. Jimmy Rogers wrote a couple of famous songs about tuberculosis, TB blues, and whipping that old TB. But yes, I'm the Man Who Rode the Mule Around the World is probably the only vintage song with the word consumptive in it. Consumptive, of course, refers to a person with pulmonary TB. With some other bizarre lines in there, that was Vernon Dahlhart on Edison Diamond Disc 51901, made Tuesday, December 14, 1926. Dahlhardt accompanied himself on harmonica and had help from Murray Kellner on fiddle and Carson Robison on guitar. With the only vocal in the song, the line, Hey, hey, do that thing, we started this mule segment with Ken Moyer's Novelty Trio and the Arkansas Mule, written in 1922 by Walter Hirsch and Jimmy Clark. It was recorded in 1923 by Gene Rodemick and Jimmy Carr's orchestra, this recording is on Domino, 1841, made October 1st, 1926. There are some interesting instruments and sounds on that record, and you'll be hearing more from Ken Moyer when his birthday rolls around next March. I'm Glenn Robison, encouraging you once again to visit adamspackstation.com and sturdivantcamp.com. And while you're at it, RapidlyRotatingRecords.com, where you can hear every single one of our shows all the way back to the beginning in July of 2000, bringing you vintage music to which you can't not tap your toes from rapidly rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s. Back in 2019, I played A Boy's Best Friend is His Mother by Master Wilfred Eaton and said that was a pseudonym for Joe Peterson. What I didn't know then, but told you last week, is that Master Wilfred Eaton and Master Joe Peterson were both pseudonyms for Mary O'Rourke. Well, guess who had a birthday last week? July 26th marked the birth in 1913 in Helensburg, Scotland, of Mary O'Rourke, the twelfth of fourteen children born to Joseph and Hannah O'Rourke. As a child growing up in Glasgow, she had a beautiful singing voice and won numerous talent contests. Gaining a reputation in Scotland's music halls gave her the confidence, at age 17, to move to London with her brother Joe to seek fame and fortune. Her uncle, Ted Stebbings, a London entertainer and impresario, taught her how to impersonate a boy singer to replace one who had worked for him, but whose voice had changed. Mary could imitate a choir boy perfectly, so despite being female, she came to prominence as a singing boy. At just five feet tall, with black hair, she was able to pull it off, dressed in short pants and black jacket, complete with Eaton collar, her chest bound with bandages to hide her female form. Her act was promoted by her Uncle Ted, leading to radio appearances and recording contracts with Crystallate Records 
and she became a huge variety star in Britain and Europe. She soon wanted to drop the charade and record under her own name, but was discouraged from doing so by her uncle. She became pregnant and married violinist George Lethbridge in 1933, but the marriage was not a happy one. George joined the army to fight in World War II, and Mary was left to care for their six-year-old daughter Margot. The last Master Joe Peterson recording was released in 1942. Mary began drinking heavily, the marriage dissolved in 1952, and she returned to Glasgow alone. She continued to perform as Master Joe into the 1960s. Mary O'Rourke Lethbridge died at home of bronchitis on Christmas Eve 1964 and is buried in St. Peter's Cemetery, Dalbeth. Here are three from Mary O'Rourke as Master Joe Peterson.
just remember those two lovely tears. I thought you didn't care, and we said our last goodbyes. But then I took another look into your eyes. That was the end of all my foolish fears. I saw love shining in two little tears.
There you have three from Mary O'Rourke as Master Joe Peterson, all on the Rex label. Rex, billing themselves as the king of records, were a budget product of the Crystallate Company sold in Marks and Spencer stores. They first appeared in 1933 with a starting catalog number of 8001. We just heard Little Gray Home in the West from Rex 8842, made in July of 1936. Little Gray Home in the West was composed around 1914 by Herman Lohr, with words by Wilmot D. Earley. Before that, without the Wurlitzer organ accompaniment, Two Little Tears from Rex 9938 in 1939. Two Little Tears was written by Harry D. Kerr in 1928, with music by Jeffrey O'Hara. We started the segment with Choir Boy, written by Dave Oppenheim, Leo Edwards, and Ira Schuster. That's from Rex 9063, made in 1937. He's probably not on all of Joe Peterson's records with Wurlitzer accompaniment, but on at least one from 1940, the organist is Dudley Beavers. Way back before there were area codes, but after crank phones, phone numbers started with letters, which stood for exchange names, identifying the area of the city in which you lived. I can still remember the first telephone number we ever had, Tuxedo 474563. Party lines were also still common at the time, but we always had a private line. For those of you who have no idea what a party line was, here are three rapidly rotating records that give you an idea of what it was like to be on a party line. Central, give me party J19. Listen to the gossip on the party line. Everybody listens on the telephone. They just can't leave you alone. They know all your secrets and the latest news. They know if your mother wears your father's shoes, your pedigree and the history, and they know if you pay your dues. On the party line, everything is cheerful on the party line. You can get an earful, you can hear all the scandal that's going round the town. And when a girly calls you up, the neighbors call you down if you're newlywed. Everybody listens as an indoor sport, it's fine. When a girl says, Bill, I love you so, and your wife's voice says, oh, is that you, Joe? Then it's 50-50, boy, you know, when you're talking on the party line. If you ask a little girl to be your own, you can never tell who's listening on the phone. For you may be telling that old story or to some girl you told before. Don't ask her to marry on the party line. In a breach of promise case and you look fine. The evidence would be immense. That is where all the neighbors shine. On the party line. They don't read the papers on the party line. They know all your capers when they hold that receiver. A lot of things they hear. That's the only instrument the neighbors play by ear. You don't have to go. 
to a fortune teller, get your news where I get mine. When the girl you love is not about, someone else will call her up, no doubt. If he finds her in, you'll find her out if you listen on the party line. Once I phoned a girl across the street, and I told her that her shoes were neat. Then a butcher's boy said, something see, he was talking on the party line. Here we are, Gerard 70775. Good morning, Mr. Grabbit. What's your advice for those Tanganyikas? They're down a point. What? Nothing to worry about. Good. What? Do I love you as much as ever? I say, this is embarrassing. Will you get off the line, please, miss? I'm talking to my brokers. Very important. You're engaged? Well, I can't help it. Line crossed. Oh, you'll tell me where I get off. Oh, yeah? What? Oh, I'm a nasty old man, am I? Says you. Do you know, that's made me feel quite depressed. Oh, well, love's young dream. I've come to the conclusion that a middle-aged man should have romance. Young ideas often come to him. When he sees a pretty girl, his head begins to whirl. If she has a figure neat and trim, how his eyes would gleam at pink crepe de chine and a glimpse of frills and laces. Life for him would have zest, so he'd stick out his chest and promptly kick over the traces. Operator, will you give me Gerard 70775? You'll ring me, right. I'm tired of rice pudding, cold meat and red flannel, for I visions of Paris and perfumes by Chanel. Is that my number? Not yet? Oh, you've rung up to tell me you're trying. Most annoying the line got crossed. I got mixed up with a girl. What's that? You hope not. Yes, she was trying to make a date with her boyfriend. <laughs> I say, can you do that again? As many times as I like. It's wonderful. What makes you do it? The joy of life. Yes, I think that's what I'm missing. What's that? I sound tired. No, I haven't been away for the weekend. I'm not that kind of a man. <laughs> Do you know, I like your laugh. Wouldn't it be possible? I mean, uh, well, uh, what about a little dinner some evening? You're short-handed. What? Some of the operators are... What's that? Oh, uh, at cows. <laughs> I say, what's your name? Ninette. And uh, you really will meet me, Ninette? I know a really cosy little place for the dinner, Ardeur. I said, Ardeur, just we two. Yes. Petmas, 8.30, Tuesday. What's that? You think I'm a dear? <laughs> this must be my lucky day. I say, Ninette, if I throw you a kiss, uh, have you got the uh, terminal facility? One thing we haven't thought of. How shall I know you? You'll wear a red flower, then I'll wear a white one. The white flower of a blameless life. <laughs> Up till now. 
You won't forget. Au revoir, Ninette. I'm a bad lad. I'm tired of cold feet and red flannelette. So now for a change, crepe machine and Ninette. Summer day, I just finished making hay and was driving to the store for binder twine. Binder twine. When the wind began to roar and the rain began to pour, then the lightning struck the Coon Creek party line. Party line. Happy said Aunt Lizzie swore when it knocked her to the floor. He was sure it tore her ribs loose from her spine. From her spine. But it seems that old Aunt Liz lost her gout and rheumatism when the lightning struck the Coon Creek party line. Party line. Oh, the poles and splinters flew, and the wires snapped in two. They fell among the wild cucumber vines. It was sure an awful thing, not a single phone could ring, when the lightning struck the Coon Creek party line. Described on the label of OK6425 as a hot novelty dance with singing, that was when the lightning struck the Coon Creek party line, written by Chester Finley, performed there by the Hoosier Hotshots on June 9, 1941. That was followed by Charles Penrose of the Laughing Policeman fame with Kay Connor and Laughter on the Line from HMV B3932, made in small Queen's Hall, London, on July 6, 1931. He recorded it about a month earlier on an Edison cylinder, but we started this party line segment with Billy Murray's June 25, 1917 recording for Victor, issued as catalog number 18332, of On the Party Line. Percy Wenrich wrote the music and Jack Mahoney the words. Jack Mahoney's real name was Reuben Kusnit. 
He's been mentioned on the show only once before, earlier this year for the words to their Hanging Old Jonesy Tomorrow, but he wrote many more songs, and you'll hear some of them on the October 16th show when he gets his own birthday segment. I'm Glenn Robison, and the show is Rapidly Rotating Records. We're here each and every Sunday evening at 6 on Island Radio, FM 88.7, KISL Avalon, and KISLAvalon.com. This and all our previous shows are also available 24-7 on demand, anytime at all online, at RapidlyRotatingRecords.com. And we're on all the major podcast directories. A couple of weeks ago, I played Here Comes a College Boy with lyrics by Charles Horowitz. I couldn't find his exact date of birth, but it was apparently sometime in July 1864. Yeah, I know it's August, but last week's show was already set, so Charles Horowitz is getting his own segment tonight. Charles Horowitz was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin to Isaac Horowitz and Paulina Hirschfield. In 1885, he moved to Brooklyn, and although I don't have any specific details, apparently quickly became quite successful as a music publisher, lyricist, and playwright. On July 15, 1900, Charles married Sarah Bruckheimer in Washington, D.C., and a couple of years later they had daughter Henrietta. Son G. Charles Horwitz came along about seven years later. By around 1905, Horwitz was famous enough to win election into the Words and Music Club, organized for the social and commercial betterment of composers and songwriters. The group met every Sunday afternoon at the Hermitage Hotel in New York City, and in 1908 proposed legislation to Congress for the payment of royalties for their work. The officers of the club did not have the usual titles of president, vice president, and so on, but Harry Williams, in his position as president, was known as Big Hit. Vice President Gene Schwartz was called First Verse. The secretary was referred to as Manuscript, and the board of directors were the chorus. Charles Horwitz died April 11, 1938, in the Bronx and is buried at Mount Ararat Cemetery in East Farmingdale, New York. Actually, this is Frederick Bauer's segment, too, because, as I mentioned on the previous show, the two of them contracted to write 50 songs together for publisher Charles K. Harris. So here are a couple of rapidly rotating records by Charles Horwitz and Frederick Bowers. Jim and I and children play together Best No luck was at all, no. Jim, my drum was lucky as could be, as could be. Jim, my drum was lucky as could be, as could be. Oh, lucky Jim, how I Love the thing we love. 
him and married him one day. Jim was lucky, why unlucky day? Jim was lucky, why unlucky day? Oh, lucky Jim, how I am. In fact, he knows most everything that's out. And all the tin. If you want to know geography, ask Mr. Moriarty. Moriarty, Moriarty. There never was, there ever be another man like him. You see the encyclopedia, dictionary, mentions him. Also recorded it for Edison and Victor, but there you have Collins and Harlan. 
with the comic Irish duet Moriarty from Columbia Two-Minute Cylinder, number 32333, released in 1904. Now, I don't know who this Moriarty is, but in just the first two verses of the song, he knows everything there is to know about philosophy and geography. He built the Flatiron Building and the New York Subways, made the soundless Long Island sound, and introduced lager beer to Germany. There are five more verses in the sheet music, which, among other things, have Moriarty running for president and being asked for advice by Marconi. No, there'll never be another M-O-R-I Moriarty. We started with another cylinder record, this one Edison Blue Amberall, 4342, titled Lucky Jim. Singing what was described on the sheet music as a mock ballad, that was the Criterion Quartet on March 4, 1921. I wish I had a complete list of all the songs Horwitz and Bowers wrote, which would include There Are Things That Cannot Be Explained, Big Chief Oi Oi, I Want Someone to Show Me New York Town, and Honest John Jones. You're listening to Glenn Robison's Rapidly Rotating Records, toe-tapping music from rapidly rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s. Last week I played There's a Song They Sing at a Sing Song in Sing Sing by Primo Scala's accordion band. I have a couple of more notes about that record. One, there wasn't actually a Primo Scala. It was a pseudonym by British bandleader Harry Bidgood on about 200 sides. Harry Bidgood will be getting his own birthday segment in November. And I mentioned that Sing Sing is still very much with us, now known as Sing Sing Correctional Facility. The name Sing Sing comes from the Sintsink tribe of Mohegan Indians, from whom the land the prison occupies was purchased in 1685. It holds about 1,700 inmates and contained New York's execution chamber until the state abolished capital punishment in 2004. Take a trip to Farmington Hills, Michigan, and you can see one of Sing Sing's electric chairs at Marvin's Marvelous Mechanical Museum. Hmm, I think a field trip may be in order. From its grand opening in 1826, Sing Sing has been referenced numerous times in the popular culture. One of my favorites in the 1950 Warner Brothers Looney Tunes short, Big House Bunny, where Bugs digs a tunnel while escaping hunters and accidentally winds up in the Sing Song prison yard. You heard a clip at the beginning of the show. Another reference to Sing Sing is the slang expression, Up the River, which dates back to 1891. Sing Sing was built on the east bank of the Hudson River, about 30 miles north of New York City. Those convicted in New York and sentenced to serve their time in Sing Sing were referred to as being sent up the river. So we're going to take a musical trip up the river, beginning with Mario Harp Lorenzi.
up and get along Forget the bills you owe Get the one you love and take her riding Riding up the river road Listen to the breeze, it's whispering to the trees The meadow's just been mowed Yes, you're getting mighty near to heaven Riding up the river road There beside the stream, you can sit and dream Tell her that you love her tenderly Throw your every care in the river there Watch them all go drifting to the sea And when you turn around Take her back to town With every smile she showed You can bet she'll always be beside you Riding up the river road
Ristorino was up the river with his ambassador's band on March 2, 1929. The vocalist on Columbia 5305 was Pat O'Malley. Up the River was written by Edgar Leslie and Joe Gilbert. We started our trip up the river with Mario Harp Lorenzi, who was riding up the river road on January 11, 1936. The vocalist on Columbia FB1285 was Marjorie Stedford. Harry M. Woods wrote, Riding Up the River Road. I'm Glenn Robison, and I'm very pleased that you've chosen to spend this past hour with me listening to Rapidly Rotating Records. If you had half as much fun as I did, then I had twice as much fun as you. I hope you'll click in or tune in again next week, and as always, I thank you for your very kind attention. <laughs>